got a story that I'd like to share with you this morning, and it goes like this. Alice was married to a man named Charlie. They both worked full-time, but he never did anything around the house, and certainly not housework. That, he said, was woman's work. One evening, Alice arrived home from work to find the children bathed, a load of wash in the washing machine, and another in the dryer, dinner on the stove, and a beautifully set table complete with flowers. She was astonished and immediately wanted to know what in the world was going on. Well, it turned out that her husband, Charlie, had read a magazine article that suggested working wives would be more romantically inclined if they weren't so tired from having to do all the housework in addition to holding down a full-time job. The next day, she couldn't wait to tell her friends in the office. How did it work out, they asked. Well, it was a great dinner, Alice said. Charlie even cleaned up, helped the kids with their homework, folded the laundry, and put everything away. But what about afterwards, her friends asked. Oh, the romantic part didn't work out, Alice said. Charlie was too tired. <laughs> How many of you are tired this morning? How many of you could use more energy, more power in your life? Today we're continuing our series called Getting to Know God, and we're going to talk about God's power. And I have two goals this morning. The first goal is this, for us to better understand God's power, and the second goal is to better experience God's power. So we're going to begin with a statement that you'll find on your outline, and it simply says this, that God is all-powerful, and my clicker is not. So Bruce, would you see if you could advance that slide for me, please? There we go. God is all-powerful. This is referred to as his omnipotence. Omnipotence. Now, everywhere you look in the Bible, you see this teaching that God is omnipotent. But what's fascinating is that that word is not used very much in newer translations of the Bible. If you've ever read the King James Version of the Bible, you encounter that word in Revelation where there's this great vision of heaven and all these people are crowded together and they're shouting to God and this is what they're saying. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Now, if that phrase sounds familiar, that's because it's the basis of Handel's Hallelujah Chorus. So what difference does it make that God is omnipotent, that God is all-powerful? Well, first of all, nothing in this universe can keep God from accomplishing his plans. No government, no dictator, no natural disaster, not fate or chance or anything else can keep God from doing what he has planned. And secondly, because God is omnipotent, what God starts, God finishes. How many of you have ever started a project and not finished it in your whole life? God never does that. Everything God starts, God finishes. And this is so important for us. There's a beautiful verse, this is in Philippians chapter 1 where Paul says this, the Apostle Paul, a guy who was called to follow Jesus in the first century, he says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, speaking of God, he who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, until the day that Jesus comes back. So we know that because God is all-powerful, that we're going to get home to heaven. When you belong to God, he will finish the work that he has started in your life. And thirdly, because God is omnipotent, nothing is too hard for God. Look at this verse from the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. It says this, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Now, aren't you thankful for that this morning? 
that nothing is too hard for God. That's why this is called our verse of the week, W-E-A-K, the verse of the week. Because listen, there's stuff in our lives that are just too hard for us, but is anything too hard for God? No, absolutely not. God has all the power he needs to accomplish everything he has planned to do. And we see that displayed in the life of Jesus. Look at this statement. It's on your outline. Jesus displayed God's power over nature, over disease, over demons, and even over death. And here's something else that we need to remember as well, that his power, the power of Jesus, holds the universe together. Holds the universe together. Now, look at this verse in Colossians chapter 1. Everything was created through him. This is speaking of Jesus. And for him, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. At this very moment, the power of God is holding the universe together, but not just the universe. God is holding me and you together. Now, that is a mind-bending amount of power. But here's the incredible thing. God wants to share his power with you and with me. There are so many people in our world who often feel powerless. They feel like victims because they feel like they don't have the, the power that they need to change their circumstances or to change their life. And yet the reality is this. There is a God who made us, a God who loves us, and he wants to share his power with us. However, there's something really important that we need to remember when it comes to God's power. And it's this statement on your outline. God wants to share his power with us, but we need to realize that God's power is given to accomplish God's agenda, not ours. God's purpose is given to accomplish God's agenda, not ours. Church, God does not promise to give us his power to make us rich or famous. God doesn't promise his power so that we can pursue our own dreams. Simply put, God's power is for God's purpose. And of course, it raises the question, so what does God want to use his power for in our lives? And here's the first thing. God uses his power to save us, to bring us into a relationship with himself. Look at this verse in the book of Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Now, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. And the word here, power, is a Greek word, dunamis, which is a word that we get dynamite from. So Paul is saying that the gospel is God's dynamite, that it has this incredible power to break open, break open the human heart. The gospel is God's power. Now the gospel, the word gospel means what? You guys know this, right? Good news, right. And if you've been around BBCC any length of time, you've heard me say this, in order to really appreciate the good news, you have to understand what? The bad news, and simply put, the bad news is that we are sinners and we can't save ourselves. We have all lived our own way, and the Bible calls us sin. Our sin separates us from a holy God, and because God is just, he has to punish our sin, and that punishment is to die, to be separated from him for how long? Forever, for an eternity. And we don't have any ability to rescue ourselves from this situation, and that's why Paul says that the gospel is the power of God to completely rescue those who believe. And that's what happens. Jesus starts the greatest rescue mission the world has ever known. He leaves his home in heaven. He comes to our world. And as a human being, he does what no other person has ever done. He lives a perfect life. And that qualifies Jesus to die in our place. 
And on the cross, an amazing thing happens. God is willing to put our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place. The wrath of God that we deserved is poured out on Christ. He dies, he comes back to life, and he says, listen, if you will come and follow me, if you will admit your sin and accept what I've done for you, the power that raised me from the dead can live in you. In fact, we sang about that this morning, didn't we? The same power that Jesus used to to calm the raging sea, to move a mountain, that same power can live in us. Now, Paul, who wrote this verse, was a guy who was obsessed with power. I mean, he was on the fast track. He was making a name for himself by persecuting the church. He was actually on the way to a city called Damascus, and he was going to round up Christians and have them thrown in jail. And this power-hungry guy met the one who has all power. And you could say that Paul was blinded by the light and knocked off of his high horse. And when that happened, when he had this encounter with Christ, his heart was broken open, and God told Paul, Paul, from now on, the power that I give you is not for your purpose. It's for mine. It's to accomplish my agenda, to make you this this missionary to the Gentiles, to all these non-Jewish people all over the world. And friends, that story should give us incredible hope Because maybe this morning you're a follower of Jesus, but somebody you you love dearly is not. And maybe that person that you love is indifferent to God or confused about God. Maybe they're hostile to God. The story about Paul reminds us that God has the power to change any human heart. There are people in my family that I've been praying for, for for many, many years. Other people that I love, that I pray for all the time. And I'm comforted by the fact that God, in his time and in his way, has the power to change anyone's heart. Now, here's something else that God uses his power to do. God uses his power to heal us. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark about this woman who has a remarkable encounter with Jesus that results in her being healed. Now, Jesus, in this story, he's actually on his way to heal somebody else. One of the synagogue rulers has come to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, my daughter is sick. Would you please come heal her? So Jesus is on the way to this guy's house, and there's a big crowd of people that are around Jesus at this point. And we pick the story up here in verse 25 of Mark chapter 5. The Bible tells tells us this. And a woman was there in the crowd who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all that she had Yet instead of getting better, she kept getting worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And look at this next verse. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Now, that seems like a pretty strange question. And the disciples were confused. They were saying, hey, Jesus, everybody is touching your clothes. You're in a crowd. What do you mean who touched my clothes? But Jesus knew that this woman had touched him in faith and that power, healing power, had left his body and healed her body. And so this woman, recognizing that Jesus knows what's happened, comes to him. And how does Jesus respond? He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering." In the ministry of Jesus, we see God's power used to heal broken bodies and broken hearts and broken minds. I have seen God miraculously heal people right here in our church family. I've seen God use his power to miraculously heal people in my own family. Because think about it, God's purpose 
God's purpose is what he devotes his power to. God's power is given for God's agenda. And sometimes God's agenda is to heal us. But that's not always the case. There are times when we ask for healing and God either postpones that healing or doesn't heal us. There are times when a person is injured and we pray for a quick healing and God allows us to go through that injury or through that illness because he has another purpose in mind. And that purpose is to change us, to transform our heart. And that's another thing that God uses his power to do, to transform us. There are, there are people, a lot of people, who have settled for what you might call an unexceptional life because they simply believe, I can never change. I, I've heard people say this to me before. You know, as just how I am, you know, I have a bad temper. Um, I just can't help myself. Now, look at this verse written by Peter, a disciple of Jesus. He says this, his divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need, everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now, let's say that you want to live a godly life. You want to live the way that Jesus would live if he were standing in your place. What are some things that you need God's power to do? This week I actually wrote a short list of things we need God's power to do. And see if you relate to some things on this list. The power to forgive, the power to be patient, the power to resist temptation, the power to manage your mouth, the power to keep your promises, the power to love people who are standing on the one nerve you have left. Somebody said this, Mr. Rogers did not adequately prepare me for the people in my neighborhood. <laughs> what do you do when it's hard to love the people in your neighborhood, the people in your life? What do you do when it's hard to forgive and, and hard to do all these other things? You need power. Where does that power come from? It comes from God. Now here's another way that God uses his power in our lives, the power to sustain us the power to sustain us. Much of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. And again, the word apostle means one sent. Paul is sent on a mission by Jesus, so that's why we call him the Apostle Paul. But he talks about this, this physical problem that he had, and he called it a thorn in the flesh. And people have speculated what it might have been, Bible scholars and commentators. Some think that it was a problem with his eyesight. Others think that he had migraine headaches or had some kind of problem with his stomach. We really don't know what it was. But we know this, that three times Paul prayed and said, God, would you please do something about this thorn in my flesh? Would you please take it away? Now, how does God respond? Paul tells us. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul goes on and he says this, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. And notice this. He says, when I am weak, then I am strong. <clears throat> Maybe this morning you can relate to what Paul went through. Maybe you have some kind of thorn in your life. And you've asked God, hey God, would you take it away? And God said, no, but I'll give you my grace. I have a physical thorn that I've been dealing with for the past five years. It actually began on June the 9th, 2012. I remember it well. And since that time, I have prayed repeatedly and said, God, I would really appreciate it if you would take away this thorn in my flesh. <laughs> and God's given me the same answer every time, no. But 
My grace is sufficient for you. And I am so thankful that that is absolutely true, that God's grace is sufficient for us and that he uses his power to enable us to persevere. Now, here's one more way that God uses his power in our lives to enable us to be Christ's witnesses, to be Christ's witnesses. This is what Jesus said to his disciples before he went back home to heaven. He said, but you, you disciples will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now, in this verse, that word for witness is also translated martyr, somebody who lays down their life for the cause of Christ. Right now, the most persecuted group of people on the planet are Christians. Some of you know that in over 60 countries today, more than 100 million Christians, just think about that number, 100 million Christians are being persecuted, arrested, jailed, beaten, and killed. A couple of months ago, my wife and I, my wife Chris and I were in Colombia, South America, and we've told you some stories about the pastors' conferences that we do there for the pastors and their wives and their kids. And sometimes the pastors or their wives will just publicly tell about the persecution that's taken place. Sometimes it happens just in a small group setting. And the stories are heartbreaking because it doesn't just affect the pastors and their wives, but sometimes their kids have been killed or kidnapped. Some of the parents don't even know where their kids are. And the question that forms in your mind is, well, with that kind of experience, with that kind of suffering, how do they keep going? I mean, they're continuing to have church. They continue to, to talk about Jesus and to share the gospel. And here's the answer. It isn't because they're so strong. It's because God is so strong. And they are experiencing the power that only Jesus can give them. And here's something else, church. The power that God unleashes in our lives often comes from the prayers of other people. And that is so important for us to remember. If you're going through a really tough time, ask people to pray for you and with you so that you can experience God's power. And I think about our brothers and sisters around the world who encounter such intense persecution. You know what they need? They need our prayers. And so I encourage you to do this. You can go to the website. It's persecution.com. That's the website for Voice of the Martyrs. And you can sign up and get weekly prayer requests so that you can be an instrument of God's power flowing into the lives of these brothers and sisters who are suffering for the cause of Christ. Now that brings us to another important question because I think all of us would say, hey, I would like God's power in my life. Is that true? Would you like more of God's power? Well, here's a very important question to ask if that's the case. And the question is this, what blocks the flow of God's power into your life and mine? Now, this month, hurricane season began in South Florida. How many of you have ever been through a hurricane? Wow, quite a few. Now, how many of you have ever lost your power during a hurricane? Now, when you lose your power, there are two questions you generally ask. The first is this, why did I lose my power? Because it could be that a tree fell over and took down a power line. It could be that a transformer blew up. So the course, first question is, why did I lose my power? What is the second question you typically ask? Yeah, when am I going to get my power back on? How can I get my power back on? I mean, I know I lost it. I want to get it back. If you're a Christian this morning and you feel disconnected from the power of God, those are really the same two questions that you should be asking, right? How did I lose God's power and what do I do to get it back? And so to answer that question, I want to point out three things from Scripture 
that block the flow of God's power into our lives. And the first one should come as no surprise. It's a three-letter word with a big I in the middle. It's on your outline. What do you think it is? It is sin. And here's where that comes from. Look at this verse from Psalm 66. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. That is, listen to my prayers. There's another translation that says this. If I had cherished sin in my heart. What do you do when you cherish something? You hold on to it and refuse to let it go. And listen, if there are attitudes, if there are thoughts and actions that we hold on to and we know they're sinful, is that going to block the flow of God's power in our lives? Well, yeah, absolutely, because once again, God's power is given for God's purpose, for his agenda, not for ours. Think about it this way. Let's say that you're married and you decide that you want to pursue a romantic relationship with somebody who's not your spouse. And you pray and you say, God, would you please give me the power to do this? What do you think God's answer is going to be? No way. Why? Because that's not my purpose for your life, so I'm not going to give you power to do that. But on the other hand, let's say that you're, you're just having a tough time in your marriage. And it's hard to be patient. It's hard to be forgiving. And you say, God, would you please give me the power to love my husband? Would you give me the power to love my wife? What do you think God would say to that kind of request? Yes, because that's in keeping with God's purpose for your life. Remember, God's purpose is always fueled by God's power. Now, here's something else that blocks God's power in our lives, unbelief. This is a verse from Matthew, and he, that's Jesus, did not do many miracles there. That would be his hometown of Nazareth. Why? Because they just didn't believe. Unbelief blocks the power of God in our lives. We've said it this way before, that faith connects us to the power of God. Unbelief disconnects us from the power of God. And here's the last thing that blocks the power of God in our lives is pride. Pride. Look at this verse. It says, God opposes the proud. It doesn't say that he's indifferent to the proud. It doesn't say he ignores the proud. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So how do you know if you have a problem with pride? Because it's pretty insidious. Sometimes it's really hard to recognize. I would say that the best way, and maybe the easiest way, to determine how much pride you have in your heart when it comes to God is simply this. Look at your prayer life. Because the degree to which you pray is the degree to which you are depending on God's power and not on your own. How much are you depending on God's power in your life? And that brings us to this question, which is really important. This is on your outline. What can we do to release the flow of God's power in our lives? And here's the first thing that we can do. We can confess our sin and weakness and ask for God's power. Remember what Jesus said? You have not because you, you ask not. And here's the deal. You don't have to be strong to get God's power. On the contrary, you have to admit that you are what? That you're weak. God, I need you. And this is what Jesus said about asking God for anything. He said this, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. And here's something else we need to experience God's power, something we need to do. Believe that God is able to give you his power. Believe that God is able to give you his power. I want to show you some verses that come from Matthew chapter 9. 
they describe an encounter that Jesus has with some blind men. And it says this, when he, that's Jesus, had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Now, Jesus is talking about healing them. Do you guys believe that I'm actually able to heal you? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Faith releases the power of God in our lives. And faith releases the power of God in our church. Look at these verses from Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him, to God, who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work where? Within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Church, it is so important for us to realize that God's power is given to accomplish God's purposes for us as a church. And I've got to tell you that week in and week out, I see God working in your lives. I see God working in you. I see God working through you. And my ongoing prayer is that people will look at Boynton Beach Community Church and go, man, that is amazing. Do you see what God is doing? Because what needs to happen for the world to be convinced that Christ is real is for things to happen in the church that can only be explained by the power of God. And church, that's what we need to pray for that God would display his power in us and through us. So how do we get God's power in our lives? Well, first, confess your sin and weakness. Ask for God's power. Secondly, believe that God is able to give you his power. And here's the last thing. Step out in faith, depending on God, to give you his power. Here's another verse written by Paul where he says this. I can do all things. I can do everything God has called me to do through Christ who gives me strength. I'd like to close with a story. It's found in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. And it's a story about the power of God. Now, many of you know the story of the Exodus. God's people are in slavery in Egypt and God sets them free. And they see these remarkable displays of God's power. If you know the story, you know there's a time when, when they're released and Pharaoh's army is pursuing them and they're trapped and, and the Red Sea's in front of them and they're about to be slaughtered by Pharaoh's army. And God, by his power, parts the Red Sea. They pass through in dry land. And what happens after that? God closes up the sea and just wipes out Pharaoh's army. And then, because of their disobedience, they have to wander around in the desert for 40 years. But for that whole time, they see God display his power over and over again. God protects them. God provides for them. And now they've come to the end of that 40-year period. And they're, they're camped on the bank of the Jordan River. They're right there, ready to go into the promised land, but there's one more test of faith that they must go through. Now, this time it's going to be different because God wants them to cross the Jordan River. But instead of God just parting the Jordan River and letting them walk through, they have to do this. They have to actually step into the river. And God says to Joshua, look, when you step into the river, this is what I'm going to do. Upstream, I'm going to dam up the waters. The water will stop flowing so that you can walk through. You can walk across that riverbed. Now, usually, it wouldn't have been that big a deal because the Jordan River is not that deep. But right now, the river is at flood stage. Unless God uses his power to stop that water, these people are going to drown. Now, here's a really interesting twist on the story. Guess who has to step in the, into the water first? The priests, the religious leaders. It would be like God coming to Boynton Beach Community Church and saying, Church, 
I have a test of your faith. Oh, by the way, Pastor Dudley, you have to go first. But that's exactly what happens. The priests actually step into the water and they keep stepping and God is faithful. God uses his mighty power to stop the flow of the water and the priests and the rest of the nation pass through that river and enter the promised land. Now here's the question that I want you to consider this morning. Where do you need God's power in your life today? What is your Jordan River? Where is God saying, would you step out in faith? Because if you will, if you will trust me, I will give you my power. You know, maybe this morning, as you think about that question, and I want you to do that because in just a moment, I want to give us all an opportunity to pray and to ask God for his power for something specific in our life. But maybe this morning, what you're dealing with your Jordan River is that you've been really hurt and you've tried to forgive, but you, you look at your heart and you know that you really haven't. You're holding on to anger. You're holding on to bitterness and resentment and it is eating you alive. Well, God says, you know what? You need to step out in faith and trust me. You need to let me give you the power to forgive. Or maybe it's this. Maybe you're dealing with some kind of addiction in your life. And you have tried over and over again, and you're just tired. You're just ready to give up. And God says, don't you give up. You step out in faith, and you trust me, and you keep trusting me to give you my power to bring victory. Or maybe it's a temptation. And you keep just falling to that temptation over and over again. This morning, you can ask God for his power. So he will show you the way out, and you will actually take it. Or maybe it's a situation as a mom or a dad, a situation with your son or your daughter, and you're just so tired, and you just you need some patience. You need the power to persevere and to keep hoping and keep praying, keep doing the right thing. Or, or maybe it has to do with a relationship in your family. Maybe it's your marriage. You just need to say, God, hey, I'm just tired, God. I'm being honest. I'm, I'm tired of being tired all the time. I'm tired of being discouraged. I'm tired of failing. God, I'm weak, but you're strong. Would you please, God, give me your power to step into this water and trust you to come through? So church, let me ask you this. Just bow your heads, would you? Because I want us to pray. I want us to actually take what we're learning this morning and put it into practice right here and right now. Because we have a God who is all-powerful, a God who is willing and able to share his power with us. So right now, I want you to do this. I think about a place where you need God's power in your life. God, I just want to say this on behalf of our church, of, of all who are gathered here. God, we need you. We really need you. And we ask you this morning, God, to give us the faith, even at this moment, to pray. Father, we know that your word says that you can give us the desire and the ability to do the right thing, to do the God-honoring thing. And so, Lord, that's my first prayer. Lord, as we bring our request to you, give us the desire and the ability to honor you. And Lord, I just want to give everybody here an opportunity to, in their own words, tell you what they need your power for. So church, just go ahead and do that now. Tell God what you need his power for. God, would you do this now? Would you give us the faith we need to believe that you're actually going to give us that power? And God, would you give us 
God, give us the faith to actually step out and do the thing that you're calling us to do. Give us the power to forgive. Give us the power to be patient. Give us the power to express love. God, give us whatever we need from you, just like you promised to live a godly life because you're the God who can do this. God, we love you this morning. God, we need you this morning. And I pray, Lord, with all my heart that if somebody here this morning has never never really taken that step of faith, Lord, that's their Jordan River right now to become a follower of Christ, that they would simply say, Jesus, I need you so much. I'm tired of failing. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died for me, and I want to I want to have a different life, God, a life of power, life of purpose, life of peace. God, you always hear that prayer, and I know you're, you're going to hear it now. Father, make us a group of people who display in our lives the incredible power of God. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This week I was talking with, uh, with Jeff Dunn, our worship leader, about ending the service, and, and he suggested...